welcome to this edition of the Big Blue in the Bronx podcast. Alex Savage Project back again. Fortunately, Jordan won't be coming on today. He'll come on Friday for the Bears preview, but we got a lot of things to talk about. Obviously, Giants lost to Pittsburgh Steelers 26-16, so we got to take away a couple of takeaways from that game. And I have a lot of my thoughts to discuss. And the Yankees play a three-game set to wrap up their homestand with the Toronto Blue Jays. So let me give my evaluation on last night's game before I officially go and dip into my takeaways from last night in my notes. So there was a lot of things that I overreacted last night on the stream. But at the same time, you see a little bit of familiarity. Um, there were times where the quarterback was being pressured, but... Giants lost to contain a little bit. I will say, though, as part of my takeaways, that the pass rush is actually doing better. They got two sacks on the offensive line. They had Dexter Lawrence and Leonard Williams come in for sacks. So that was a good thing. Aside from that, you know, they did force pressure, did multiple looks and stuff like that, but I'll get into that. And I feel like yesterday was one of those games, it kind of felt like Dallas last year, you know, when we faced them on Monday Night Football. Basically, if you don't remember that game, we got out to an early lead. I think it was like 10 to 3, and we ended up blowing it in the case of we let them score towards the end of the half and even after the end of the half going into the third and fourth quarters. Then what happened was we couldn't convert on offense and they started scoring points and that's why the score was inflated. More than it actually was. Because you could say, I think it was like 37-18 was the final score. And people are going to say, oh, well, the Giants got blown out. Well, watch the game and then you'll find out. Because score and stats, I've noticed, you know, over the time and course of my sports, you know, information and whatnot of me learning stuff, that stats aren't always the key. It's film, it's watching the game, it's knowing what's happening. But anyway... Uh, Giants lost 26-16, that's my thing. So I'm going to go to the positives and the negatives, takeaways that I took away from last night. Obviously, you know, I had the stream last night and I was taking notes a little bit after and, you know, during the stream. So for the positives, we got off to a good start. You know, even though we went three and out, not necessarily three and out, but we went downfield a little bit. Then we had the delay game to back us up for the punt, which actually was a good idea. What happened was Riley Dixon punted. Deontay Johnson called for a fair catch, and they muffed the punt. Giants recover inside the red zone. What the problem is, is that they couldn't convert at all, and instead they went for a field goal. So that happens. Then I'm pretty sure it came to a point where Pittsburgh went on the field again. Then they scored three, and then we came back with an offensive drive, a touchdown, from Daniel Jones, Darius Slayton, a lot of Steelers fans, including Sean on the stream, said that was a bad call on Evan Ingram. Not the OPI, but I'm talking actually more of like Joe Hayden holding him, and they said, oh, it's not PI. Well, I beg to differ just a little bit, but I wouldn't say it was PI. You could make more of a case for holding. But anyway, Jones to Slayton, the connection is there. Slayton had six receptions, 102 yards, and two touchdowns. He beat Steven Nelson on two touchdowns. Jones threw to him, of course. For those 102 yards, obviously, everybody knows the connections there. Sterling Shepard had a couple of receptions for like 40-something yards. And, you know, I have another person on the offense, two people actually, who come in the negative, but we'll talk about that. Andrew Thomas, he had a decent game. I wouldn't say that he did, you know, all pro, but he allowed four pressures. 
His run blocking along with the offensive line didn't necessarily, you know, punch in together. And that's why we only got six yards on the ground from Saquon Barkley. But that's not a takeaway. Uh, Daniel Jones, his pocket awareness has gotten better. No fumbles. We know TJ Watt likes to force the fumbles. We'll get to that. You know, whatever happened in the negative parts. But, you know, it seemed like everybody who's been looking at the stat sheet says, Oh, Daniel Jones, he threw uh, two touchdowns and two interceptions. Oh, you know. He's not that good. You know what? Look at the film and the game, then come back to the stats. Because Daniel Jones, believe it or not, other than a couple mistakes and those two interceptions, he had a great game yesterday. He really did. And if the offense and the offensive line would have stuck together, I think we could have beat the Stills yesterday. I'm going to be honest. I'm going to be honest. Good clock management in the case of that it wasn't Pat Shermer clock management. Like, it's not a huge takeaway because we were losing by a certain extent, in that case being like, you know, last year at like five minutes, four minutes, or three minutes, Pat Shermer would call a timeout before the two-minute warning. Joe Judge and Giants didn't do that. So that's a positive on that side. Giants got two sacks from the pass rush, as I mentioned earlier. Dexter Lawrence and Leonard Williams came in there for the sacks. B.J. Hill helped out a little bit as well. Uh, Blake Martinez. I am so impressed with him so far. I know it's one game, but you saw him flying all over the field when it came to the running game, making tackles and not whatnot. Uh, Blake Martinez actually got an 83 overall grade from PFF, and I don't rely on them often. And I know you're going to say, oh, well, he only relies on PFF when it supports his narrative. Well, sometimes I agree with them, sometimes I don't. That's mostly on the takes, though. So that's a different story. Bradbury had a decent game. James Bradbury, he got beat on... A touchdown from Juju Smith-Schuster. He got beat on a Chase Claypool reception. Many have said that Claypool pushed off. I wanted Claypool, but that's a whole different story. And the other one I was pissed off about was when it was like third and long and they blitzed. Uh, this was towards the end zone. James Washington had the touchdown. But the pick play happened. Chabot uh, Peppers and I think James Bradbury ran into each other. I don't know which two defenders. I know Bradbury was one of them. But James Bradbury... Uh, but James Washington ran into the end zone for a touchdown. They eventually uh, tried taking the lead at that point. I don't think they did, but that was because Chris Boswell missed the field goal. Limited Big Ben to 229 passing yards. That was surprising because I really thought that, you know, at least in that point of the game, he might get 250. He might even get, I don't know, 275, maybe, maybe 300. If the defense, you know, kept screwing up a little bit, which wasn't that bad. I'll get into that in a little bit. But we limited Ben to 229 yards, which is good. And we'll see how we do next week against Mitchell Trubisky. And we'll see how Big Ben does against the Denver defense. That didn't do that bad yesterday. You know, Derrick Henry went in spouts to uh, win them the game. And Tannehill, too. No surprise there. Let's go into the negatives. Now, the run game was absolutely atrocious. You could say, oh, it's a new offensive line. It's this, that, and the other thing. Bud Dupree had a lot of tackles for a loss. And I'm not going to blame it all on Saquon. I'm not going to blame it all on the offensive line. Because there were some formations where Bud Dupree was going to come around anyway. But there was one play last night where Saquon ran it to the right side. And Evan Ingram, he missed a block. We've been saying offseason... Oh, uh, he needs to improve his run blocking. Yeah, that didn't really help, you know. He made a bad play there, and Bud Dupree, and I think it was TJ Watt, tackled him for a loss. And another thing Saquon needs to do, that's two things. 
everybody's gonna, you know, hype around Saquon and feel bad for him because he got six yards. Yeah, I get that. But there was one play, I don't know if it was the specific play that I just mentioned, it was another play. He had really negative one yards in front of him, meaning that he was going to lose one yard because the offensive line wasn't blocking. He turned that into like negative six. I'm going to be honest there. I'm not going to, you know, cuddle Saquon, oh, the offensive line was horrible. No, no, I'm not going to do that. Listen, I may not have, you know, liked the Saquon pick at first and then I got used to him. But at the same time, you can't just sit there and say that he didn't make mistakes. Everybody made mistakes, at least at some point in the game. Some point. And his pass protection, if everybody saw one of the last sacks the Pittsburgh Steelers got, was this one. It was when they sent a blitz. Devin Bush, I think it was on the left side, or maybe been Debud Dupree, but I'm pretty sure it was Devin Bush. Hernandez had his guy. Bush went through the left side. Saquon got juked out by Bush, and Bush got to the quarterback. At least I think it was Devin Bush. That can't happen. You know, keep making excuses for Saquon, you do that. But right now, pass protection, we talked about this last year, against the Jets especially. Saquon cannot pass block. I'm sorry. He can run the football, sometimes he has trouble creating holes that the offensive line doesn't give him, but when it comes to protection, pass protection, he sucks. I'm sorry. Unless he improves, I just feel that way about him. But also, you know, on the coaches as well, even though they probably worked it, they probably worked at it in the offseason that Saquon probably is working on his pass protection and everything else. But at the same time, you have Deion Lewis, you have Wayne Gallman, who are two better running back pass protectors. Maybe Eli Penny too, you know. He's had a lot of lead blocks and stuff like that. But anyway, let's go to another negative takeaway. Offensive line gave up three sacks. So Cameron Fleming, he was a contributor in that fact. Obviously, I just mentioned the Saquon uh, sack that he gave up to Devin Bush. Cameron Fleming gave up one to, I believe, Vince Williams to the right side. And that did not look good at all. You know, everyone wants to say, oh, he's a depth piece. You know, he's an average. You know what? If you're going to help this offensive line and you're going to fill in at right tackle, at least play, you know, sufficient. And, you know, I get it. Oh, this is a rebuilding team. It's only one week. But you still have to point out the criticisms. I'm sorry. That's just the way it's going. One play, he was totally juked out by Vince Williams, as the sack I just mentioned. One play, he was totally juked out. And they got to the quarterback. Three sacks we gave up. Saquon horrible in pass protection, you know, I kind of mentioned that. Jones threw two picks. One was a good play by Watt. I can't even fault Jones that much, but at the same time, I think Bush was on Ingram or maybe been Minka or Edmonds. That wouldn't have been a good throw either. I think Ingram would have dropped that, but I'm going to get to that in a minute. And the Hayward interception, he was trying to make a play, but I would have rather taken a sack on that one because Debris was coming from behind. He hit him as he threw it in an interception by Cam Hayward. And that ended up costing us because we were, I think, that whole drive proved to be a waste. Traveled so, down the field, you know, and I guess it was just for yard purposes there. Evan Ingram, what am I going to do? I got the poster right behind me. What are we going to do? You know, Kapiz always cheers me up after a Giants loss. You know, whether it's a win or loss, you know, especially a loss because he always rants and I always find it funny. The memes aren't necessarily funny to me because I'm a Giants fan, but, you know, a couple others are. And I did laugh at some memes last night. Don't think I'm a salty person, you know, whatnot. But I'm going to get to that in a little bit. But one of the plays Ingram screwed up on was the one near the goal line. That was after, much after, the 
the fumble recovery and they were in the red zone. I don't know what happened there, miscommunication and whatnot, but everybody, you know, seems to be blaming Daniel Jones. It's not his fault because TJ Watt was on him. You know, TJ Watt was there and Daniel Jones was rolling right. He was trying to find Ingram, but Ingram stopped and didn't run his route. And he ended up dropping it. PFF has ranked him the worst tight end in football. Not because of his pass receiving, but because of his run blocking as well. That's something we gotta fix. You know, I'm up to hype Evan Ingram, oh, contract extension, this thing, or that thing. But right now, game one didn't look so good. Game one did not look so good. Um, not targeted for most of the rest of game two. You know, they pretty much left him out of it. Levine Toilolo even got a reception. So did Kaden Smith. Kaden Smith actually got an 82 overall grade from PFF, which I'm surprised in. But I guess he had, you know, somewhat of a decent game yesterday compared to the other tight ends. I know Toilolo got a reception, as I just mentioned, and then Ingram didn't do so well. So, as far as the run defense goes, we stopped James Conner in his tracks. We did. He has an ankle injury. I believe he's going to be out for the next couple of weeks, or they're going to leave him day-to-day, week-to-week, whatever. Um, but we pretty much stopped James Conner. You know, from then on, we just pretty much closed the gaps in on him, and we got him. Unfortunately, when it comes to the rest of the game, or at least the second half, they put Benny Snell in. He got 113 rushing yards. You know, this is from the outside, mostly outside runs. And two things I have to point out. Darnay Holmes missed an open field tackle, missed like two or three. Unfortunately, Pro Football Reference hasn't uploaded the stats right now, so I can't really give them to you. I will probably next podcast episode, or maybe I'll do it in a video too, because I want to get those stats out to you guys, or maybe I'll do it through Twitter, I don't know. But I know a lot of you guys do not have Twitter. But Benny Snell pretty much destroyed us in the second half. Um, Even though he didn't get a touchdown, the runs to the outside killed us. Jabril Peppers had trouble making open field tackles. I know he had the uh, assignment of covering Eric Ebron in a couple plays. Ebron took advantage. We really limited Vance McDonald, which was, you know, somewhat of a decent piece, but also, you know, the other wide receivers were used. As I mentioned, Cameron Fleming did not have a good game. Peppers went out with an injury. I don't even know the status on that. Nobody has spoken of it unless he went back in the game, and I didn't know about it. And... Isaac Yadom got beat badly twice. Once for a juju touchdown, as everybody remembers, that actually was the one that actually, you know, had it 9-10 and they missed the extra point. My bad. Going back to the early part in the video when I said, oh, James Washington touchdown would have tied the game if they didn't miss the extra point. That was the one that took the lead for the Steelers. My bad. But I don't know what Yadom was doing in the case of, you know, covering Miss Schuster on that play but it seemed like he took a weird angle to the ball that really didn't work out for him because it was a touchdown but at the same time why would you have Yadom covering Smith Schuster unless he's in the slot and I don't know coaches know something we don't but at the same time you know it's Isaac Yadom versus Juju Smith Schuster who's winning Corey Ballantyne another one Started at cornerback two. You cannot hide Corey Ballantine for too long. And I know Bobby Skinner said this, and you could say, oh, he's copying off Bobby. No. It's true. You cannot hide Corey Ballantine for too long. He was getting beat by Deontay Johnson. And that's unfortunate because I think a lot of Steeler fans and a lot of last season overhyped Deontay Johnson. He muffed the punt. 
And I know that's special teams, but I think a lot of people just overrate Deontay Johnson. And I could be wrong. I could be wrong. I think James Washington can be definitely something special for them. Juju is already something special for them. Chase Claypool made a reception downfield. But as far as Deontay Johnson goes, I'm not really a fan of his. Maybe because he screwed me on fantasy team last year. But, you know, that's a whole different ball game and a story. But you can't hide for balance. You can't hide Ballantine for too long. That's unfortunate, you know. Um, to be honest, I wasn't necessarily a fan of this Yadom trade. This is three days before the cut, and you're literally trading for him when literally he's getting like two practices in or not even one before you do cuts. So he's ultimately a make it for the roster. And I said that to Paul Dettino. And he pretty much said, yeah, you know, they're trying out corners, they're evaluating. But if you look at his stats from the past two years, his rookie year was better than his sophomore year. Because his sophomore year, he allowed a 70% completion percentage for quarterbacks. And he gave up, I think, more touchdowns either in his second year or his first year. But he's a little bit undersized, I will say that. So, and I'm talking about Yaidom, of course. But... Giants have to fix that up. You know, Bradbury, he had his on and offs, but I really think he did a solid job. But as far as the rest of the secondary, Julian Love, you know, where was he? I didn't really see a lot of stuff from him. Uh, Logan Ryan, he was used on multiple situations. Didn't see him a lot as far as making plays. Even though it's the first game, this is just the first game, guys. Don't, you know, start screaming, oh, it's the first game. I know this. Jabril Peppers, as I mentioned, he struggled with tackling a little bit and covering, which is going to be a huge problem. I mean, I don't have the stats on you right now of how much Ebron got, but, you know, just... And, you know, the main point of this and the negatives, the Steelers ultimately made a lot of mistakes to where the Giants could have taken advantage. The muff punt, that should have been seven. The Daniel Jones interception, that should have been seven or three. We would have been back into the game and the score wouldn't have been so socially distanced. But my point is, Steelers made multiple drops. James Conner couldn't run through a hole. And the offensive line couldn't block against Blake Martinez and Dexter Lawrence and Dalma Tomlinson. But ultimately, the theme of the game was don't beat yourself. And I get, oh, the Giants are developing, new defense. Defense looked pretty good. And I'm going to say this, even though they gave up 113 yards to Benny Snell... I would say that they had a decent game compared to other games last season. The offense, as I mentioned, that's a whole different ball game. But I read a tweet before the stream, or during the stream, that said Jordan Ronan, you know, tweeted it. He said, Joe Judge's main thing was we can't beat ourselves with mistakes. That's what we did here. We beat ourselves with mistakes. And unfortunately, that caught up to us. You know, I get it's youth, it's chemistry and all that, but, you know... The game was closer than the score said it was. Let's be honest. If you were watching the game and, you know, you're going to start talking trash on the Giants, say, oh, you know, they lost to the Steelers. You know what? For a lot of Steelers fans and for a lot of Giant fans, Giant fans, don't overreact to this. I'm pointing out criticisms, but don't overreact to this like, oh, it's another Giant season loser. Still have faith in your team because this is a young team. This is only week one. You don't know your team till after week four, whether they're going to be uh, – offensive team or a defensive team passing team running team whatever whatever and everybody you know wants to blame the offensive line for every single problem Saquon the box was filled a lot of problems last year 
We had a decent offensive line. Box was filled. What can you do? But that doesn't mean that players make mistakes and that's allowed. Not happening. But for the Steelers fans, on the other hand, you know, I watched one of Ron Effect's videos. If you haven't seen him before, shout out to him. He's on YouTube. Go subscribe to him. He had a recap video on the Steelers-Giants game. So I commented. I said, I love how some Steelers fans think, you know, they won the Super Bowl and everything. I didn't say Super Bowl, but I said how they think they won a playoff caliber team. Somebody said, no, we're just happy we won. Basically, what I'm pointing out is like the Steelers fans and, you know, I'm not going to say this every time we lose because I know the circumstances. Congrats to Steelers fans, by the way, for winning. But at the same time, you know, you're acting, a lot of Steelers fans are acting like they beat the best team in the league. And they didn't. And honestly, they might not even beat Denver next week because they put up a good competition to Tennessee. And we know that the Steelers like to play down in the competition. But as far as the negatives and the positives go, that's for the Giants. Um, anything else, you could probably comment uh, on my Twitter or everything. But I'm pretty much, I pretty much covered everything as far as you know that goes for the Giants messing up on multiple occasions. The positives and negatives are there. But just remember, this is only week one. But a lot of people make excuses. They're like, oh, you know. Uh, it's week one. You don't need your team till week four. I get that. And I said that in the video. But at the same time, you can't let the mistakes fall water under the bridge. I'm sorry. But, you know, I think Joe Judge will actually take accountability this time and say, hey, we need to fix this, this, and that. And have, you know, at least accountability for it and say, okay, I my bad on this thing. You know, Jason did this. He needs to clean up on that. Now where it's Pat Shermer, which is the same thing every time. So that's mainly my so Yankees Giants finally sort have Giancarlo Stanton. Yesterday. They have Julio Shell and Jonathan Loisaga back. So now we're they also sent down Miguel Yankees and Duhar. They sent down Mike Ford and Clark and Schmidt. Go over the so I have some comments back. on that before we actually get into the stats because that's what I'm going to do. Before we get into the probables and the preview for this series, finishing out this homestand before they go away. So... Miguel Andujar started heating up a little bit. As you guys remember, like when Urshela was injured and they called up Andujar again, his average was about, I would say, around 130, I would say. I don't have the definite number on me right now. His average now is a 242. That is much better than it was before. Even though it's like point one hundred and, I don't know, 12 points, even though I wasn't exact with the 130, it's better than what he was hitting before, and he was on a hot streak for a while. And, you know, with all the other hitters not producing before this five-game win streak, he really helped the team. Defensively, is a different story. Mike Ford, I don't have anything to say to him. He's just a clear disappointment. Clark Schmidt, I honestly don't want him to be a disappointment. And I feel like Boone just threw him out there whenever they didn't have bullpen depth or where the game was over. Like, they threw him out there when Davey Garcia struggled, I think it was against the Orioles, and Clark Schmidt just gave up four more runs. He basically said, you know what, the game is over, so we're going to throw you into the game, and we don't care if you give up more runs or not. Did he say that? No. Do I feel like that's somewhat of the intention? Yes. Because Clark Schmidt is a very good prospect, he's impressed us all, but I think right now, he needs to work on some stuff, definitely. But at the same time, the Yankees can't just sit here and waste him because he could be a long reliever or possibly a starter. So, that's what I have to say on that. 
Giancarlo Stanton, Urshela, Loisaga, welcome back. So before they went on the DL this year, here's Stanton's stats. He had 54 plate appearances in 14 games along with 41 at-bats. He had 10 runs, 12 hits, 3 doubles, 3 homers, 7 RBIs, 1 stolen base. He had 10 walks, 11 strikeouts, and a 293 batting average. Also with a 4.53 on base percentage and a 5.85 slugging. So now to go to Giovanni Urshela, who's made multiple defensive plays this season as much as he did last season. But also, you know, times have changed in different aspects in different ways. So he played 31 games, 120 plate appearances, 103 at-bats, 18 runs, 28 hits, 7 doubles. He had 6 homers, 23 RBIs. One stolen base, he had 14 walks, 20 strikeouts, 272 batting average, 358 on base percentage, and 515 slugging. So now Loisaga, obviously pitching, it's a different story. He was 2-0, 3.18 ERA. He had eight games, three of them started. He also had 17 innings pitched, 14 hits, six earned runs, three homers, four walks, and 20 strikeouts, which is not that bad. He also hit three batters just for extra reference. Miguel Andujar, he, as I mentioned, started heating up a little bit. 21 games, 65 plate appearances, 62 at-bats, five runs, 15 hits, two walks, one triple, one homer, five RBIs, three walks, nine strikeouts, 242 batting average, 277 on base percentage, and also a 355 slugging. Now to go on Mike Ford, who's been a clear disappointment. Unfortunately, I like the guy, but you know he's not having a great season right here. 29 games, 84 plate appearances, 74 at-bats, 5 runs, 10 hits, 4 doubles, 2 homers, 11 RBIs, 7 walks, 16 strikeouts, and a 135 batting average, going along with a 270 slugging and a 226 on base percentage. Now you go to Clark Schmidt, whose stats are much worse than Jonathan Loisega's, 7.71 ERA in two games pitched, 2.1 innings pitched, three hits, two earned runs, and three walks, going along with three strikeouts, one hit by pitch, and 14 batters faced. So those two games, one was the Orioles game, and I think one was actually the Blue Jays game, where Adam Adovino actually gave up that grand slam to Dandy Jansen. He's still hitting in the 150s, so that didn't help him out much. But... To go along with the Probables for this series, for Game 1, it's going to be Divey Garcia versus Tywin Walker. Game 2, it's going to be Tanner Roark versus Garrett Cole. And Masahiro Tanaka versus Chase Anderson in Game 3. So, take a look at their last time out. Divey Garcia and Tanner Roark faced. Divey Garcia had the win. 7 innings pitch, 5 hits, 2 earned runs, 6 Ks, 1 homer, 95 pitches. His ERA is currently at a 3.06. Tanner Roark, he had four innings pitched, two hits, two runs, and three walks, three strikeouts, two homers, 68 pitches at start. So now to go to the last game where Garrett Cole pitched. He pitched against Alex Cobb. Complete game because it was a doubleheader. He had the win, seven innings pitched, two hits, one walk, nine strikeouts. That's the Garrett Cole we like to see. Completes games. That's stuff that's his second completed game of the season because the one game it was the Washington opener and that was a rain delay and unfortunately they called the game. Fortunately enough that we got the win though. So Masahiro Tanaka, last start, five innings, three hits, one earned run, five Ks, and one homer. 
91 pitches and 3.16 ERA. Going back to Garrett Cole, he has a 3.20 ERA. So those three pitchers seem like, you know, the top three in our rotation right now compared to Paxton, who's still on the IL, and J-Hap as well, and any other guy we go for number five. So to go to really Chase Anderson, he didn't have a good start the last time out. I'll preview his stats right here. Okay, so when I was talking about the bad start for Chase Anderson, I was talking about the way he pitched against the Mets. The Mets won 18-1 against the Blue Jays. Though he only gave up four runs, he got the loss, and he pitched 2.2 innings pitched, four hits, four runs, three walks, four Ks, one homer, and 67 pitches. That's not very good, at least going through what he did. Going through the third with 67 pitches, that's not a good pitch count. Unfortunately, the offense and the bullpen didn't do any justice for him. So he's going to be looking for a redeemed start, a new start, a revenge start in a way, so that he could get back on the board. I think he actually pitched a couple of years ago for the Milwaukee Brewers. But go back to game one where we're pitching against Taiwan Walker. Last time out against the Yankees, he had four innings pitched, two hits. Five walks, three Ks, and 88 pitches. So the walks need to get under control for his part. But definitely right now, it looks like the Yankees have an advantage in a way as far as the pitching goes because all their pitchers won the last time out. The Blue Jays pitchers really didn't win the last time out. It was mainly Walker who had the most decent start out of all of them. Then Rourke, I'm pretty sure he got the loss or it was somebody else that got the loss. And then obviously Anderson's bad start against the Mets. But the Blue Jays definitely do have an advantage being second in the AL East and a couple of games back there. Also ahead of the Yankees as far as seeding goes. So the Yankees are currently seventh when it comes to seeding in the American League. And definitely if the Yankees don't want to be facing the Rays or any tough team like the White Sox, they need to do a lot better than what they've been doing the past couple of days, even though they're on a five-game win streak. I'm not going to talk about Glaber Torres um, being benched because it's turned into a very, very important situation now that he's dealing with a quad injury. So that's going to be tough for him. We'll see how long he's out. He's not expected to be out that long, but we'll see how long he is out. Although we are getting Giancarlo Stanton and the others back today. So it's a plus, then a minus comes later on. So we'll see what happens with Glaber Torres. And we'll see what happens with all the other injuries and whatnot. But this is definitely a series that the Yankees need to, you know, get a hold of. Because they do face Toronto one more time. I forget if it's at the stadium. I forget if it's in Buffalo. But definitely they need to grasp their home field advantage here. And... After this, they go out and play Boston on the road, and that's going to be tough. They actually, now that I see it, they play Toronto on the road, and then they finish out against Miami. There's only a handful of games left. I think it was yesterday, there's 13 games left. So if I take a count, probably between 10 and 15 games left, for the Yankees at least. I don't know whether, you know, double headers are going to happen and whatnot, but this is a series where the Yankees need to take advantage. Miami is an up-and-coming team, pretty much like Baltimore. Boston's just drowning at the bottom of the swamp of the AL East. And Toronto's, you know, second place team in the AL East. So right now, Yankees need to take advantage of this. I know I don't do a lot of, you know, stats when it comes to these Yankees previews. But right now, it's very imperative that they win this series. So that is pretty much it for this podcast episode. I know it was a little bit long, but it's for you guys, for the information, you know. Thank you guys for supporting. 
podcast available on Spotify, Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and all the other podcast platforms you could find us on. Follow our social media pages at Big Blue in the Bronx, Twitter, and Instagram primarily. We will post updates every time we do an episode or something happens with the Giants and the Yankees. Of course, Giancarlo Stanton, as I told you guys on this episode, is coming back along with Jua Shell and Jonathan Lewisega. I'll tell you my thoughts, obviously, on Twitter, you know, about something or something else. But uh, we will see you on Friday. Hopefully, the Giants can win next week. But we'll put more emphasis on that on Friday for the Bears preview. Thank you guys, and we will see you on Friday.